the sun does not go around the earth the earth goes around the sun but it's only after they acknowledge that he was right that the scientific revolution could happen so it's a suicide pact that we have created so dr rao thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed on behalf of a soon to be newly published book vegan voices which is available for pre-order through mm -hmm. lantern books and we will be sure to drop the link in the facebook of reimagine the turtle creek thank you so much for being here i am going to introduce you dr rao is an author silesh rao phd is an author human earth animal liberation the acronym would be heal activist the executive director of Climate Healers, a nonprofit dedicating to healing the Earth's climate. A husband, a dad, and since 2010, a starstruck grandfather. <laughs> How beautiful. In 2016, he promised his granddaughter, Kamaya, and we might have a surprise appearance here, that the world would be vegan by the time she turned 16. We're going to have to learn how old she is now. In 2026, perhaps that's a clue, in 2026, and that people would stop eating her relatives, the animals. He has faith that humanity will transform, not just for ethical reasons, but also out of sheer ecological necessity, so that he can keep his unbreakable pinking promise to Kamaya. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Rao. And I feel in my bones and my ligaments and my heart and my soul that your declaration that the world will be vegan by 2026 is coming true already. And so I would just love for you to open with how it is that you got this idea in your mind to want the world to become vegan by 2026. Oh, thank you, Beth. I mean, I, I started off going vegan in 2008, and it was mainly for the environment, because I saw what uh, animal grazing was doing to the forests of India, and I was shocked, because I thought that as a, as a vegetarian, I was doing my part at minimizing my impact on the environment. But I realized that as an ethical vegetarian, a lacto-vegetarian, I was actually causing the most damage. Because as an ethical lacto-vegetarian, I did not want the cows to be killed. And uh, a lot of places in India, they don't do that. They don't kill the cows. They let the cows live out their lives. But I noticed these cows are walking around eating up the anything new that was growing on the ground. And as a result, there was nothing for the deer to eat. And when the deer has nothing to eat, the deer dies. When the deer dies, the tiger dies. So I realized that there is a cascade effect of us bringing animals into this world just to exploit them. And then if we say, oh, we'll let them live out their lives, they're just going to displace nature. They're going to displace wild animals in nature. And so when I got that realization, I had this sense of shame that I was participating in probably one of the worst exploitations on the planet. And so I went vegan on the spot in 2008. And then I, at first I thought, you know, it's my choice and other people have their choices. So it's live and let live, right? 
And then I realized that, you know, after my granddaughter was born in 2010, I realized that it wasn't a choice really. It's basically, you're impacting everybody. We are impacting everybody with our choices. And therefore it's a matter of education. And, it, and also I discovered that eating animal foods is bad for people as well. It's bad for us. And it's bad for the animals. It's bad for the environment. It's bad all around. So, so which means that going vegan is good for everything. There is no reason why you wouldn't go and advocate for a vegan diet or a vegan lifestyle because it's good for the animals. It's good for us, um, both physically, mentally, spiritually, and it's good for the planet. Okay, so you'll come into harmony with nature as opposed to fighting nature, you know. So, um, so that's when I realized I have a, I, I have a uh, duty to inform my fellow human beings that they're hurting themselves. They're hurting their own children. They're hurting you know, their environment. They're hurting the whole planet with their choices. So it's like secondhand eating, right? So secondhand eating is much more impactful than secondhand smoking. <laughs> secondhand smoking, you're only affecting a few people around you with your smoking. And, but secondhand eating, you're in, affecting the entire planet. So I realize it's, it's a much more impactful secondhand impact that we are having with our choices. Okay, so that's when I uh, I started appealing to the environmental community that we need to do this. We need to get to a, and and you know in any project, and I've been, I have run a number of projects successfully. I might add, uh, you know, uh, digitizing. I mean, making the internet infrastructure digital was one of my contributions. And in any project that I've run, an engineering project, you begin with a schedule. You put a date on when you're going to accomplish. And so, but before you come up with a schedule and a date, you figure out, is it feasible? Is this project feasible or not? And then once you put a date on it and you put a schedule together, you assume that you're going to be successful. So you always have to put your, put your mind into thinking that you're already there. And then you work your way backwards as to how you're going to accomplish it. Okay, so that's why the idea of the Vegan World 2026 project is to say, first of all, is it feasible to have a vegan world? And I said, it is absolutely feasible. It's a matter of eating this instead of that, wearing this instead of that, being kind to all life instead of being cruel to all life. We can all do that. You know, it's not complicated. And we can organize our societies to, so that we routinely are kind to all life as opposed to being routinely cruel to all life, right? So when I realized it was feasible, so that was the first step. I said, okay, then the deadline or the lifeline, I call it really the lifeline of 2026 came about because we are on track right now with, at our current rate of destruction, we are on track to wipe out almost 100% of wild vertebrates by 2026. Wow. That's how fast we are killing them. Well, let's, let's just pause there for a minute. You said, I have to hear that again, because I know you have an engineering background mm -hmm. and you just let this roll off your tongue. I wrote it down. Oh, I was, I contributed to making the internet digital. You are so humble that that just rolls off of your tongue. And you're telling us that by 2026, if we don't eat, like we give up and you fill in the blank because this is public, and for children to watch, 
But if you don't start eating in a way that is sensitive to the environment, then by 2026, repeat that again, because it, it really sunk in this time that we are, what's gonna happen to all the vertebrates on the earth? We are on track to wipe out almost all of them, 100% of them by 2026. Oh, wait a minute, we're vertebrates. What are you talking about? We're humans, yeah. are you Wild saying? Wild vertebrates, wild vertebrates. So, Why? so yeah, because I was looking at the World Wildlife Fund has been doing a survey of wild vertebrates of 3,500 species of wild vertebrates since 1970, okay? And what they're finding is that the elimination of wild vertebrates in terms of their total biomass is going exponentially because it is almost proportional to the size of our economy. That's how fast we are killing them. And it was between 1970 and 2010, we had wiped out 52% of wild vertebrates. And that result came out in 2014 because it takes them four years to compile the data. So it's a fairly comprehensive survey they're doing. So then between 1970 and 2012, it became 58%. And by 2016, it had reached 68%. So you can just draw the line and see how much time do we have before we wipe out almost all of them. You see, if we look at how people are modeling this, the scientific community, how they are modeling it, they're modeling it based on a predator-prey differential equation. Okay, so this is, I understand these things. So I was looking at these differential equations and I'm saying, wait a minute, in this model, you're saying that as the prey dies, the predator population will decline. But I don't see that happening with the human population. It's not declining. So as the prey population, so they're modeling humans versus nature as a predator-prey model, okay? Humans are the predators, and wild vertebrates are the prey. That's how they're modeling it. And according to their model, humans, human population should be coming down now because we have killed so many of the wild vertebrates off, but it's not happening. Instead, our population is still going up because we are raising domestic animals instead of the wild vertebrates. And we're killing wild vertebrates as, as if they are collateral damage, okay? Which means we are on track to wipe them all out because we have the technology to wipe them all out. They have no chance. They have no chance to fight us. So if we have the technology to wipe them all out, we are on track to wipe them all out because there's money in converting their biomass into something that we all consume, like cows and pigs and sheep, okay? So that's, and so money is where everything, money is driving everything, right? So the money game is telling us, wipe all that out, convert it to uh, livestock or to farmed animals, and you'll be making the most money. <laughs> And that's what we are doing. Now, when you do that, we are going to destroy the ecosystems of the planet. So vertebrates to me are, as, are a proxy for the destruction of the, all the ecosystems on this planet. We, we have a few questions that are coming up in the live chat. Okay. Um, a comment that people don't care because they like the taste of meat. Right. Do you think that that's really the case? Do you think that there's something underneath that that is really other than that? Well, it, it, people don't understand. Uh, they haven't been taught. They, have been, they haven't been told the true ramifications of their actions. So it isn't just the taste of meat. Okay, fine. You like the taste of meat. We'll give you something that tastes just like that. Okay, there's no, there are plenty of those. We have done that, you know, like beyond meat, you know, the, so many uh, ways in which we can satisfy the taste requirement, the taste need. 
for people. There is a much more spiritual and much more connected problem, which is that we are seeing ourselves as separate from nature. We are seeing ourselves as the predators. We are, we are separated them from nature and we are using nature as something that we consume. We don't realize that when we consume nature to that extent, we are also going to die. So it's a suicide pact that we have created. Right? Wow. Wow. I have to interrupt you here for a minute because I want to hold that thought for a minute because I know that we could have a guest appearance from somebody here that happens to be your granddaughter who is offering us hope for the future. So right. if she is handy, I want to do a little intermission here from the heaviness, the gravity of what you're talking about for people that may be very spiritually oriented like John Arreyes, who is watching on the live, who does eat meat as part of, I believe, the religious tradition. But we're going to put that on hold for a moment and bring your granddaughter in because I want to ask her what her favorite snacks are. Because before this interview started, she said, excuse me for a minute. And she came back with this big bowl of popcorn. Right. So I'm wondering if she's willing to just peek her head in or sit on your lap or something, and we can ask her a few questions about her favorite snacks. I want to bring this, I know that you are an incredible scientific engineering mind, and those of us that are watching who have the scientific background, not the least of which is my husband, appreciate you so much for bringing it into the numbers. But I also want us to appeal to the children. Is your granddaughter around? Hold on, she closed the door. I'm going to call her. Okay, okay. So thank you all who are watching live on Facebook and thank you for putting questions in. I see that Stan has said too much industry relies on marketing animal products for food and clothing. And that is an excellent, excellent point. And Jana is asking, do you think all of this construction and built infrastructure contributes to that? And I would go be so bold as to say, is she nearby, your granddaughter? Yeah, she'll be coming. Okay. Um, John Reyes is asking, do you think all of this construction and built infrastructure is contributing to, hello there. I'm going to ask John's question in just a minute because I see a beautiful young girl with a beautiful purple shirt. For those of you that are listening to the podcast, you're going to have to come into the Reimagine the Turtle Creek Facebook page to see this beauty that just appeared. Not that her grandfather isn't handsome, but you know he's got a gray beard and gray hair, just saying. <laughs> but how are you today? Remind us, what is your name? And what does Vegan World 2026 mean to you? So my name's Kamaya. I am turning 11 this year <laughs> and I'm starting a new school this year which is definitely more different than any of my other schools that I've been to in my life. What's different about it? So it's called Desert Garden Montessori which I got to have a little tour a couple weeks ago which I loved it because the first thing she said was the person who owns pomegranate works at this little cafe cafe so it's all vegan a little cafe and then once you get into the higher grades you get to actually make your own food wow that is exciting 
in my imagination, it's a way more exciting school than the one you came from. You also like get to serve it to people and actually get money. <laughs> you get money? You're already going to be earning money? <laughs> well, once, once like they're in like seventh grade, which I'm not yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but what did, what did you have to do, do you think, with your grandpa putting together this thing called Vegan World 2026? And what does that mean anyway? Vegan World when is that towards? You know about it? 2026? Did he ever tell you about what it means? 2026 is the day that everybody's going to be vegan, <laughs> which I know because I literally told him to pinky promise me 2026. <laughs> and I literally started bawling <laughs> and crying. Wait a second. Okay, so is it all your grandpa's responsibility or can, like, can somebody like me help out? How could I help? I don't know. Ask him. I, I don't do the work. He does. Well, I'm telling you, I'm here as a witness, Kamaya, that you are doing the work right here, right now. And I am witnessing. I even brought my magic fairy wand to let you know this butterfly is witnessing you. And we are, here's my other prop that I brought today. And I, this is all spontaneous. Yes. We're making a declaration. That is not, it is not all on your grandpa. The declaration of veganism. It is yeah. not all on Kamaya or Grandpa Rao. It is on all of us. And right now we are streaming live into a Facebook page called Reimagine. Reimagine the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities Plus. And we have since our inception two years ago modeled veganism for environmentalists by serving vegan meals. So we are working right now and you are helping us by shining your bright light next to your grandpa. Do you see his scarf right now? I see it shining and shimmering and coming it's out of the screen. Right now. Look, it's invisible. So it's supposed to be yellow. What is going on? That is so cool. Wait, hold on. I should show you. <laughs> Woo! Wait a minute, we're doing magic. My husband's gonna love this. <laughs> that is so cool. We have a green screen, so. Okay, that is so cool. That is so cool. So this is the magic show, the yes. magic vegan show. So right now we still have carnivores, but it's all gonna disappear just yeah. like we saw these beautiful people disappear. And the whole new world is emerging. Thank you so much, Kamaya, for making your appearance. I didn't have a chance to ask what your favorite vegan snack is, but I have, a, I have a feeling if it's okay. All, right. all right, my vegan favorite snack. It just depends on the season. Okay, I, I hear a hint of Ayurveda coming in. So what season are we in now in Arizona? In summer. So summer for me is something having to do with ices because i like cold drinks <laughs> so she was talking about making uh iced watermelon you know watermelon turning it into a slushy that sounds fabulous thank you for bringing some lightness into our <laughs> serious discussion so we're going to pivot back but i am inviting you kamaya to be a guest on the podcast at some point a few months from now so we're just going to make a mental note of that. But swinging back to a question that Jana has asked in the chat, and the question is, do you think all of this 
destruction, mm-hmm. um, all of this construction and built infrastructure contributes to the destruction of the ecosystem. And I'm going to put a footnote onto that question, which is, are there ways that you suggest we model the built environment moving from here forward mm-hmm. to prevent destruction, but rather model the regenerative future where we're giving back starting today more than we take. We know that it has to do with what we eat three meals a day. Mm-hmm. And we're asking for veganism for everybody by 2026. But what about those people that are in the construction industry and in the right. built environment? Right. Yes. So we are, we are going to be reimagining all of it. So I see that this is, it's going to change everything. Because when we talk about a vegan world by 2026, we are talking about actually a, a fundamental shift, axiomatic shift in civilization. Because I say that it, it's like, you know, the Galileo went, to, went through. When Galileo said, the sun does not go around the earth, the earth goes around the sun. He got, you know, people pilloried him. They threw him in jail. They say it can't be true, but it's only after they acknowledge that he was right that the scientific revolution could happen. Because until then, our calculations would have been all wrong if we were pretending that the sun goes around the earth, right? They wouldn't have had the theory of gravity either, okay? because it wouldn't have explained anything. So that shift that happened, the axiomatic shift that happened in the 17th century was instrumental for the scientific revolution to take hold. Today, we have to overturn two such axioms, not one, two. So I call it the double Galileo moment in human history. And only by overturning these two foundational axioms are we going to start the sustainability revolution. So what are these two axioms? One is the axiom of consumerism, which is false. The axiom of consumerism says that the pursuit of happiness is best accomplished by stoking and satisfying a never-ending series of desires in human beings. That's the false axiom of consumerism. And you can see that our system is built on that axiom. Okay? This is why we don't even blink an eye when we see 3,500 ads a day, okay? because we bought into this as an axiom. But it is absolutely false, just like the sun going around the earth was absolutely false. So that's the first axiom that we need to overturn, the false axiom of consumerism. The second is the false axiom of supremacism, which is that life is a competitive game in which those who have gained an advantage based on you know, skin color or species origin or whatever, those who have gained an advantage may possess, enslave, and exploit animals, nature, and the disadvantaged for their pursuit of happiness. That is also absolutely false. It's Re- not repeat, repeat the name of your second axiom again. I was typing in the first axiom. I'm going to ask one of the viewers to type in the second axiom. What yeah. was that called? The false axiom of supremacism. The false axiom of supremacism. So if somebody who is watching on Facebook Live could type that in, the false axiom of supremacism and, and continue in your description yeah. now. Thank you. Yeah, so that's the second axiom that needs to be overturned. Because that says life is a competitive game in which those who have gained an advantage may possess, enslave, and exploit animals, nature, and the disadvantaged for their pursuit of happiness. So if it's a competitive game, this is why we keep playing competitive games in our civilization. So we see who is the winner. At the end, there's only one winner and all the rest are losers, right? 
So when we keep playing competitive games like that, eventually there'll be only one winner among species. It'll be just human beings are the winner. All the rest are going to be losers who have to die. Okay, because it's a war against nature that we are conducting. And then among human beings, there'll be only one winner. Let's say it's let's pretend it's Jeff Bezos, and all the rest of us have to die. That's the game you're playing. Okay, that's the game you're playing. So we don't have to play that game. See, we were born into this game. It's not like we created this game. We were born into it. Okay, and we have been playing it for ten thousand years. And we think that's the only game in which we can organize ourselves. And I'm saying no. There are other ways to organize ourselves. Okay, there are collaborative games you can play. This is again a gift that my granddaughter brought me. Okay, when she was born, and I, we were playing with her, uh, we were playing actually hide and seek one day. She was only three years old, I think, at that time. And her dad did a great job of hiding, so she couldn't find it. So she came to me and she was crying. She said, "I don't like this game. I don't know what happened to dad. He disappeared. I don't like this game." And then she said, "From now on, when we play this game, I'm going to tell you where to hide." So that's how we were playing the game from that point on. She would tell me where to hide, and then she would pretend to look for me in other places because for her it wasn't the finding, it wasn't the winning that mattered. It was the process of playing that mattered. That's what she enjoyed, and so that's where we need to we need to understand that we are playing a game. This is how we are coordinating our actions among millions and billions of us through games and through stories. That's how we coordinate our actions. So we are playing a game, and we can always change the rules of the game. We can actually create a new game. We don't have to go, you know, mess with the old game right now. We can just create a new game, and we can start playing that game and refine that game over time. We have only five years to do this, okay? But we can, we are doing it already, and refine that game, and then say, actually, that game I prefer over the old game. Let's talk some more and dive deeper into these games. These collaborative collective games. I am very interested in this because over the past year, for the first time in my life, I took a marketing class.、Mm -hmm. Even though I've had my own business, we've all pivoted, many of us, to online, and there has been something very deep inside of me that has been very resistant. They have been teaching us gamification, but in a way that has been very disturbing to me. I couldn't put my finger on it until just now. So, Dr. Ralph, thank you for bringing this up. What sort of games, collaborative games, collective games, rather than competitive games and games where we work so hard that we beat ourselves into submission, so that we wind up、uh, being、uh, not boosting our immune systems,、right. but dampening? Our immune system, so that we get swept away. For example, like we have over the past year, what sorts of games can we come up with together, even in this moment, that we want to start playing? I'm going to challenge you here. You are a brilliant mind. What games can reimagine? We have six groups in southwestern Pennsylvania. We also have a reimagine collective. Of, it's a four-state initiative with、mm. Pennsylvania. West Virginia, I think it's Kentucky,、mm -hmm. and I'm not sure. If, I I don't have this on the tip of my mind. But the question is: these people that are reimagining are going at it from the environmental lens.、Mm -hmm. How do we weave in, like right away, the understandings that you're sharing with us as a non-competitive but a collaborative, cooperative game? Maybe that's not what you want to talk about, but it's yeah, what yeah. I would like you to 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 help us with. 
Oh, absolutely. No, see, look, the, if you think about our current enterprises, they're all competitive enterprises. So this is why they all hold trade secrets. They don't tell you what they're doing because everyone is trying to keep their advantage to themselves so that their com competitors don't get hold of it and, you know, and take advantage of it. For them. Now, when we do that, we are actually diminishing our creativity. See, one of the first jobs I had was working at Bell Labs in New Jersey. That was my first job. And Bell Labs, uh, the way it was constructed, it was an open source lab, meaning whatever you do is for the public interest. It's for the public good. Okay, so there is nothing there for my own private good, but I am doing something that I get recognized for, that I want to contribute. Okay, so those are the kinds of collaborative games that need to happen, meaning it has to be all open source. There is no one gaining an advantage from your contribution. The advantage is for the whole community. So you're contributing to the community. So there's a problem. So for instance, you know, you have these watershed consoles, right? So you say, okay, how do I bring this watershed, you know, how do I improve the biodiversity in my watershed, okay? And you could then have a collaborative game in which we are trying to improve each other's watershed, the biodiversity in each other's watersheds by sharing information. And what is our objective? Our objective is to maximize the biodiversity. So there is still a more, more, more going on, right? So meaning I'm saying we are doing something and we are, we are measuring it. We are trying to figure out how to gamify this also. Why? Because we are good at it. That's what we are good at as human beings. So right now we have a game in which we are saying, what can you get for yourself? What is the maximum you can take for yourself? So I want more, more, more for myself. So that's the game, the competitive game you're playing. The collaborative game would be how much more can you contribute? Okay, so how much more can I give so that the whole thrives, right? So I say that, you know, we are going from a narcissistic, predatory, taker species to a compassionate, climate-regulating caretaker species. Whoever's watching on Facebook Live right now, write that down in the chat. A compassionate, climate-regulating, climate-regulating caretaker, caretaker species. species. Wow. What if that were to roll off the tongue of everybody on your block. I'm talking to the people who are watching this on the replay, who are watching live. What if the municipality of Monroeville were to hear that at an upcoming council meeting? You have inspired me to go say those four words in a sequence at the next council meeting. I haven't been there in a while. Mm -hmm. You've inspired me to weave those four words into what we call the Monroeville Eco Mall Project, which is a project of reimagined Turtle Creek, where we met in the parking lot, an impermeable parking lot with a rooftop that is not yet filled with solar panels or greenery, trees, a mall that is not yet surrounded by material of the many ages ago where we understand we can grow, grow trees and orchards in the parking lot and grow food for the people and demonstrate inside the mall how to help people understand why they should be connecting rain barrels to every downspout and creating bioswales and rain gardens 
not only in the parking lot of malls, but in their driveways and around their homes and on their streets. So I'm just gawking and kind of breathing into all of this incredible wisdom that you're imparting with the understanding that the solutions are here mm -hmm. when we change our minds and decide to play cooperative, collaborative games so that when Amazon is deciding, they're trying to decide with the cooperation, unfortunately, of our neighboring community, Churchill, to put a distribution center smack dab in the middle of the Churchill neighborhood on a former Westinghouse site, that they instead start to listen to this interview and embrace with us collaboratively, with you, Dr. Rao, I'm putting you on the hot seat because if they, and when they bring you into their boardroom as a collaborator, they will not only start to shine and to follow what Patty DeMarco, Dr. DeMarco said in her comment in this past yesterday, Sunday's Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. She had a commentary there just beyond the editorial page that companies like Amazon need to be held accountable for what they say they're going to do, which is to be carbon neutral by 2040. We don't have time to wait, Amazon. We are here putting out into the collective that you need to do the right thing right here and right now and right. not expand the footprint of the former Westinghouse site. Work within the context of what's there, not take down 1,400 old growth trees, but rather plant more trees on what is existing there. Grow food on the roof of your distribution center. Make it the first distribution center in the world that is truly regenerative, giving back to the environment rather than taking it away. Ah, I'm going to breathe into that and put the screen back on you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's about creating collaborative games and inviting everyone to participate in it. But, you know, it is a new game. It's fundamentally a new game because the old system is based on competitive games. And it's based on, see, this is why football is a competitive game. Tennis is a competitive game. We play only competitive games and we see who's the winner at the end of it, right? Everyone else is a loser in that model, right? So one winner and multiple losers, thousands and millions of losers eventually. And so we are always looking for who's the best or something. And saying, no, we have a job. We're no longer playing games, meaning we have a job to do as a species. We have a purpose as a species. Well, our purpose is not to amuse ourselves and not to use up all the ecosystems for our own pleasure. No, our purpose is to regulate the climate of the planet. Do you, do you mean perhaps that Jeff Bezos can take his next round of money and put it into the earth? Into, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so Annie Dealey writes, I wish that Monroeville and surrounding municipalities required developers to have X amount of rain gardens and X amount of green infrastructure on the land that they own and on the revenue they generate. So thank you, Annie, for putting that piece in. Thank you, Dr. Rao, for being here. I want us, I, I'm going to bring you back if you agree at some point, certainly many times actually before 2026 rolls around to bring us more ideas. And I want to also uh, mention 
that you have written an outstanding essay in the book, Vegan Voices, that is coming out, the official launch, uh, launch party, the official launch date is October 5th, but the book is now posted on the publisher's website. That is Lantern Publishing and Media. That's, if somebody could drop that into the chat, it is Lantern, P as in Paul, M as in Mary.org. You can pre-order your copy of Vegan Voices. And there will be a virtual launch party live on October 10th. You can actually go to the actual launch party in Providence, Rhode Island at a place called Plant City, or you can watch it live with yours truly moderating. I feel very blessed about that. And it's going to be a really fun thing. There's going to be prizes. There's going to be all kinds of exciting footage. So mark your calendar for October 10th from 1 p.m. Eastern to 2.30 Eastern. Um, so uh, Dr. Rao, if you haven't marked your calendar yet, maybe you have, but make sure your granddaughter marks her calendar. Okay. Everybody that you know, thank you so very much for being here. Are there any closing words you would like to mention? And also let us know where we can reach out to you, where we can contact you. Um, what are the sites that you would recommend we go to? Uh, thank you so much for having me and uh, thank you for doing your work. We are all bringing our gifts. It's a symphony. The vegan movement is a symphony, you know, and it's a, an orchestra with lots and lots of people with different instruments playing music. And so thank you for doing that. And uh, you can find more about our work at climatehealers.org. You can always reach me at srob at climatehealers.org. And we have a Vegan World 2026 Convergence happening every three months. And the next one is happening this weekend, July 31st to August 1st. So go there and uh, register for a convergence and join us because there we work on solutions. Solutions to get to a vegan world by 2026. This is beautiful. Uh, the last I knew, the Vegan World 2026 was a yearly thing, and now it's a quarterly thing. Has it always yeah. been quarterly? No, it just became quarterly after the pandemic. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I am going to look that up and be there. Thank you so very much again. Your life is a blessing to the planet, to the animals, to the plants. And you, watchers, those who are watching live and on the replay are also a blessing to the planet. Don't despair if you're not plant-based 100%. Just remember to eat a few more plants at dinner tonight. Think about for next week, a meatless Monday. And there are so many tools for stepping into veganism now uh, more than ever before. And remember, that's the kind of game that we want to be playing. So have a wonderful afternoon, evening, or morning, wherever you are in the world watching. And remember that this will be edited and be on the podcast, Journey Through Health and Wellness on anchor.fm, Spotify, on the reimaginedtickwack.org website, and who knows where you'll be sharing it with. We encourage you to share the vegan and even the vegan leaning message, if that's where you are, for today and forevermore. Blessings to all of you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.